0: Oh Jesus! Jesus is the real star. I'm just his hype man. Come on. Your face section. Yeah. With Pete Cabrera Jr. Oh, oh Jesus, Jesus baby. baby. Yeah. Hey guys, my name is Pete Cabrera Jr. with Royal Family International University and School of Identity and Lifestyle. And you were listening to the All Jesus Podcast. And guys, finally. Finally, we're wrapping up the last segment of Addressing Yelp in the Room. This is part six of a six-part series. And what are we wrestling with? The core of the demonic, devils, demons, evil spirit. What is going on? So, guys, let's sit back, relax, enjoy yourself. Sit back. I want to address something. Let's address the scriptures on opening the eyes of the servant of the spirit realm, right? Because I hear about this all the time. Like, what about people that see in the spirit? What about people that can see, you know, demons and devils and evil spirits? And, and what about them, right? And this, I'm just going to have this talk because I want to have it. So I have a question. And maybe you guys have the question too. I don't know. Let's just hear what scripture says about it, right? I want to talk about 2 Kings 6, 14 through 18. I'm just going to read it because this, this is an excellent this is an excellent um, scripture to address this because this actually talks about a prophet who sees into the spirit. But he doesn't just see into the spirit. He invites someone else to see in the spirit, but he asks God to open his eyes. So let's talk about this. 2 Kings 6, 14 through 18. Therefore, sent he hither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night. That's funny. Came by night. How interesting. Encompass the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, beholding hosts, host, compass the city, both with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Elisha, my master, how shall we do? Like, what shall we do? He answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than them that are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. So this is He's opening his eyes in the spirit and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw and behold, the mount was full of horses and chariots of fire about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, smite these people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. My question, according to this verse, and look, guys, I'm not attacking. I'm not insinuating. I'm reading scripture. According to this scripture, when the servant's eyes were opened by the prophet of God, how many demonic spirits, devils, and demons do you hear in this verse? Why don't we see any here? This is something to think about, because remember, the enemy was coming for Elisha. They were coming to get him. So these were what we would call the enemies. Of God, according to that, right? When when we assume that it's just a thought. Here's another one I think about. I think about these. Maybe you guys can address it for me. Genesis 19, 1 through 11. This is Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's another question. These are just thoughts that I have. These are thoughts that I have to myself. I lay there in bed at night and I think about these questions. And I'm just putting them out here because maybe you guys can give me some feedback on this. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate. Of Sodom and Lot seeing them rose up to meet him. This is Genesis 19 1 through 11. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground and he said, Behold, now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet. And you shall rise early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the streets all night. And he pressed upon them greatly and they turned unto him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Saddam, compassed the house around, both old and young, all people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came with you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them, uh, to have sex with them, guys. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not this wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do you to them as good as your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore they came under the shadow of my roof and they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into a sojourn and he will need be a judge. Now will we be uh, worse with thee than with them? And the press sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and put Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men. And they're at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they were worried themselves to find the door. This is crazy because in both instances, they're blind. Why is this important? Are the men who are wanting to sleep with these angels, this is just a question. Are the men who are wanting to sleep with these angels demonically possessed or just carnal fallen men? Is this city under demonic authority? That's another question. And if so, why are the men destroyed? And there is no mention of principalities or powers being dealt with at all. Why is this important? This is why. They couldn't recognize that they were angels. Why is this important? Who in their right mind would try to sleep with an angel? That's a crazy thought. According to our theology, a lot of people say that in Genesis chapter 6, it's the fallen angels Trying to sleep with men, but here it's men trying to sleep with angels, which is very interesting because it's totally opposite than what we say. Because here in the scriptures, it says that it's carnal men trying to sleep with angels, not fallen angels trying to sleep with carnal men, which is very interesting. Very interesting. Just my thoughts. You know why I think this is so important? Because Lot was in Sodom and it was nasty, it was dirty. It was corrupt. It was demonic. It was not of God. It wasn't. And Lot was there. And two angels went to save Lot to get him out of the city and save Lot and his entire family and destroyed that whole city, which is very, very interesting. First Kings 18, 26 through 29. This is Elijah. This is another thought. Now, remember, we're taught that there's spirits and devils and demons that have certain authorities and certain powers over an area. We've always been taught that. We've been taught that there's demonic forces that are controlling an area and they're basically in control and they can do whatever they want. And we got to go in there. We got to wage war with them. We got to do certain things. We got to cast down these strongholds and yada, yada. But, but let me show you something. Now, these are people who didn't have the Holy Ghost. Lot didn't have the Holy Ghost. Elijah wasn't born of the spirit. Elisha wasn't born of the spirit. These are people who just listened to God. This wasn't Jesus. Okay. These are two different creations. Jesus is everything that God is in, in the body. He's got the full deity and bodily form. These are two different instances because if Jesus would have been there, this story would have been different. This is old covenant. If this had been new covenant, it would have been a different reality, but this is what we're addressing we're addressing why this is happening in the old covenant. And these are people who didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. And yet God was still protecting them, which is very interesting. God was still protecting them under the old covenant without them having the Holy Ghost. God was still for them. How much more those who have the Holy Ghost? First Kings 18, 26 through 29. And they took the bullock, which was given them. And you guys know the story of Elijah. He He's, you know, shut the heavens up for three years. It didn't rain. And, you know, the prophets of Baal, you know, Mount Caramel. And, you know, the thing with Baal. Uh, and then you had Ahab. And then you had um, Jezebel. And you had this whole situation. This is what I'm talking about. First Kings 18, 26, 29. And they took the bullock, which was given them. And they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning, evening until, until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us but there was no voice, not any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar, which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry louder for he's a God. Either he's taken off or he's pursuing, or he's on a journey or preadventured. He sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried louder and cut themselves in the manner with their knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass, When midday was passed and they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. I'm going to say something right here. It's going to make some people really angry what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Here's Elijah, a prophet of God, who's telling them to make this God, this false God, demon, devil, whatever, telling them, call him, call him. I want him to answer. I want to hear. him. So Elijah's like, let's hear this devil. Let's hear this demon. Let's hear this evil spirit or this God. I want to hear him. Call him. The whole. Remember, the whole nation was serving Baal. The whole nation was serving Baal at this time. And Elijah's saying, call him. I want to hear him. Let's hear him. So you can ask yourself two questions. Either Baal's not real or God told Baal not to answer which one now here's another question i know people hear me out i know people and 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 i gotta watch how i say this because i'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything but i know people that if they just have a trinket okay let's say they get a trinket from africa or they bring it into their house a trinket they're not even calling on the name of baal they're not even calling on satan they're not even calling on the demonic they just have a trinket in their house and someone to tell them, oh, that's because you have a trinket in your house. Hey, they had an altar with a bull on it and have people dancing around cutting themselves and nothing showed up. But we tell people because you have that trinket, there's a devil in your house, an evil spirit in there. And these are Christians who love the Lord, who don't even cry out to the demonic, who don't even cry out to devils and demons. They don't even cry out to this stuff and we tell them that they're going to answer these are people who are actually crying out asking for an answer and still don't get one why is that that's a question that i asked myself and here's what's another here's another question that whole country that whole kingdom was under the demonic power of Baal, right why was that because of the prophets the prophets were called false prophets which means that they were telling the people that Baal was god So, once again, was Baal being addressed? Was Baal being cast out of the people? Was Baal being cast out of the nation? Was Baal being attacked or were the false prophets being killed? Where was the issue? Did you know in that whole story, Baal's not even the issue. It's the hearts of the people. That's the issue. It's not Jezebel. It's not Ahab. It's about the hearts of the people turning back to God. That's what that whole story is about we make it about the demonic. And what's crazy is that he calls down fire. He calls down fire. And did you know that that fire that comes down that consumes the altar and everything? That's the fire that happens in Pentecost when you're born again. You're consumed by that fire when you call on the name of the Lord. You call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. That's the consuming fire because the Bible says that God is an all-consuming fire. And he always answers when you call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Why am I saying this? Is Pete saying that there isn't devils and demons and evil spirits? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what is happening under the old covenant? When you see this stuff, you don't see anyone talking about, oh, that's a spirit of this and that's a spirit of that. You hear that they're addressing false gods. You hear that they're addressing the demonic false gods. They're called false gods. You know what a false god is? It means it's not real. It's not real. That's what a false god is. So why am I saying this? Okay, so Bill's a false god. If Bill's a false god, that's a demon. We'd all say, yeah, okay. Was the spirit of Bel over the area and it had everyone under his power? Is that what it was? This demonic force worked how exactly? How did it work? Through the lie, through false prophets. What is a false prophet? A liar, a liar. Why was Elijah mocking them? because it was silly to believe that there was someone listening to them. Was Baal listening to them? Why didn't he speak? Seems in every church we go to, all kinds of devils and demons are speaking in front of the prophet of God. Why is that? And we're going to talk about that when Jesus shows up. Notice the people were listening to the false prophets, not to Baal. So why do we hear spirits talking to Jesus when he's in the synagogue? That's because Jesus knows exactly. He knows exactly what needs to come out. It's not Baal. It's not some false God. It's none of that. You know what it is? It was our fallen nature. The man of sin, the old man had to die. That was in all of us. It was the nature of the fall and Jesus knew what it was and we had to die to that. So it wasn't a demonic spirit on the inside but when you hear about this, I'm going to address it. I'm going to address. Well, you know, they said, Hey. Hey, Jesus, have you come to torment us before our time? Have you come to destroy us? Oh, my name is Legion, for we are many. Like, what is all this stuff he's talking about? I'm gonna get into that. The man of sin had to be killed, the nature had to be addressed. Okay, look, I'm gonna explain this to you. Let's remember everything that you were before you gave your life to Jesus was demonic. No one's gonna argue that. If you argue that, you, you need to give your life to Jesus because just getting in the old man, You're going to walk out some demonic stuff. Getting in the flesh, the Bible says that those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Jesus came to kill you. You were once one with that identity. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were purged from your own sins. You were taken out of that identity and placed in Christ. You, the soul, was pulled out of that. Everything that you were by nature was not of God. It had to die. It could manifest in any way that it wanted to. It could manifest in addiction. It can manifest in anger. It could manifest in rape. It can manifest in all kinds of things according to the flesh. Because, you know, I think it's Galatians 5.19 talks about that. The works of the flesh are manifest with these. But the inner core of who you were was a spirit, a fallen spirit. Because the scripture tells us being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which means that seed that was on the inside of you was of the devil. That seed could manifest in any way that it wants to. This is why it had to be dealt with. And that's the core of every issue that a person has. When Jesus was walking around and people were blind and sick and had these things and he was casting spirits out of them because that's the nature and the identity of what is on the inside of them. Now remember, and and this is what a lot of people struggle with right here. When Jesus was walking around in Matthew, Mark, and Luke He couldn't kill everybody. What I mean by that is this. I know you're like, what do you mean kill everybody? People could not die in Christ until the cross, which means this. It wasn't a finished work until he said, it is finished. Before then, he walked around casting out devils and demons, but the core of who they were was still inside of them, which means that the devil still had legal right to them. This is why he said, go and sin no more. Because the core of the fallen nature was still in a man. This could not be taken out of a man. This could not die until you gave your life to Jesus. Because this is why Romans chapter six is so vital. Because when we give our lives to Jesus, everything that we were dies, because that was our identity. So when Jesus was walking around, he knows what he's dealing with, but he can't cast out, who they are fully because it has to die. No one argue that because it talks about that in uh, John chapter 7 verse 39. This is what Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit that was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. Which means that everybody that Jesus ministered to was not saved. Saved from what? From sin, from the old man, from the spirit of this world from everything that the father of lies had inside of a person still had legal right to them. It wasn't until the born again experience that you were totally set free from that. And this is what blows my mind, because as a Christian, when we give our lives to Jesus, we're dead to all of that. We were set free from all of that. We became a new creation. The scriptures even tell us that we are the body of Christ, that Christ is in us, the hope of glory that we also have the mind of Christ, that these are also members of righteousness, which means that everything that we are is now in Christ. So the key here is to not walk out Christianity with a carnal mindset. The key is not to walk out all of this in the old man, because according to scripture, that's what you're fighting with in Christ. Now, here's what you'll say. Then how do we know the difference between the old man and the evil spirit? Because the evil spirit's gonna do exactly the same thing that the old man's gonna do. The carnal mind is gonna talk to you the same way that an evil spirit's gonna talk to you. It's gonna lie to you, it's gonna cause you to fall, it's gonna cause you to stumble, it's gonna want you to walk at the desires of the flesh. That's the exact same thing that we came out of. We came out of the flesh, we came out of carnality, we came out of the kingdom of darkness, we came out of all that. And what blows my mind is when I find Christians who accept this as truth that there's something on the inside of them. What if they've just accepted the lie as truth? Now, hear me out. I'm just addressing this. Whether it's true or not, you be the judge. Can a Christian be demon possessed? Can a Christian be under demonic influence? Can a Christian? And the answer is yes. Because if a Christian is deceived in a certain area, he's going to be handed over to that area. Like, for instance, let's say that I have the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues. I know my word. I've been in ministry for a long time. I've been in this area, right? And I'm deceived in an area in my walk. Does that mean that I'm demon-possessed in that area or that I'm allowing the enemy to use me in that area? Now, most people say, well, you need to be delivered from that. Okay, so then the question would be, how do you get delivered from that? How do you get delivered from that issue in your life? Well, a lot of us don't want to do the work. A lot of us want to find someone to lay hands on us and kind of get it off of us. But once again, if your mindset is thinking that way and your language talks that way and your habits are that way and you haven't renewed your mind and you haven't learned christ and you don't know your word and you don't know what to stand on and you don't know what god said We have some major issues because you're going to go in circles your entire christian walk and you're going to feel like you're defeated you're going to feel and once again you're listening to the lie once again you're listening to the carnal mind you're listening to it and scripture talks about this guys when you go into Genesis. When you go to Genesis chapter two and three, we talk about this a lot in the school. God says that the day that you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And the question is, how did they die? And scriptures confirm to be carnally minded is death. So we know that Adam and Eve fell and they became carnally minded, according to scripture, is death. So they died by being carnally minded, which means that they were now thinking according to the flesh. They were not thinking according to the man, according to the earth man. They started thinking this way, seeing this way, believing this way. And we know this because God tells Adam, hey, Adam, where are you? And he says, oh, I heard your voice. I was naked and I hid myself because I was afraid. And God said, Adam, did you eat from the tree of the knowledge that I've commanded you not to eat from? Because what happens? When he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was afraid because he was naked. He wasn't even afraid because he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you read the scripture, it doesn't say that. He was afraid because he was naked. That's what scared him. He wasn't scared because he went against God's word. He wasn't scared because he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was scared because he was naked. He realized he was naked and it scared him. This is interesting. This is very interesting. Because God tells him, who told you? You were naked who told you that who told you you were naked who who man when you come to the school i address this the who right there the who in that verse is not you because the bible says he knew he was naked adam knew he was naked but god said who told you that but what knew was not him That was when flesh, right there, that's when flesh came alive because he knew he was naked and he was afraid. And now he was speaking out of flesh, out of carnality. And that's not who he was. He wasn't a flesh being. He became carnal. He became worldly. And because of that, he was fallen. Now, this is the reason Jesus came. Jesus came so we could be right back standing with God through Christ by getting out of the flesh And getting into the spirit and not allowing that reality to speak for us, not allowing that reality to motivate us or animate us in any way. Romans chapter eight confirms that, that you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of Christ lives in you, which confirms that when you're in the spirit, you don't see anybody according to the flesh anymore. Which is very interesting because I always wondered when Jesus said, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. How could he forgive them? Because he doesn't see him according to the flesh anymore. And it's the flesh that sins. The flesh sins. The spirit does not. That's why when we see other Christians, we don't see him according to the flesh, which means basically we can't judge them for what they've done. Now, we hold them accountable for what they've done, but we don't judge them according to what they've done because we say, that's not you. That's flesh. That's carnality. That's the old man. You shouldn't do that. You should be more like Christ. You should walk out who he is. You should walk out the fruit of the spirit. You should walk out who he says we are. That is not you. That is not you. That is not your identity. Your identity is not the flesh. Your identity is who you are in Christ. Now, when Jesus is walking around, everybody's in the flesh. Everybody's carnal. Everybody. They're a slave to it. They're a debtor to it. And Jesus had to set them free from sin and death, which means he had to set them free from flesh, set them free from the carnal mind, set them free from the demonic, set them free from that entire kingdom of darkness. And the only way to get you out of that is by killing you, by killing you. You had to die because remember, you were a part of it and you had to enter his kingdom. And the only way to enter is through death because the scripture tell us that flesh and blood should not inherit the kingdom of God. Why does it say flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God? Because you're in the kingdom now, and you don't come in through flesh and blood. You come in through the spirit. Because flesh and blood is what you were before you came to Christ. You were carnal. And you got your life from the blood. And now you get it through the spirit. That's a whole other conversation. So when Jesus is walking around, I see it like this. Jesus is the blueprint. He's walking around. Right? He's the second Adam. He's walking around. He has a spirit of God living on the inside of him. He's one with the spirit. If you see seen me, you've seen the Father. He's walking around. It's his kingdom. He came to bring the kingdom, right? And he said the kingdom of God is within you. He's looking around, and he sees someone bent over over there. And he looks at him. And the flesh hasn't been over. And Jesus says, man, I'm looking at him according to the flesh, but that's not who he is because the flesh is lying. His back's bent over like that. That's a lie. I'm the blueprint. Do I look, do I look like I'm bent over like that? Do I, you're supposed to model me. Do I, do I look like I have issues in my back? Okay come out liar come out that's not you be healed okay he's walking around guy can't see jesus is like well you're supposed to be like me in the kingdom of god and i can see so if i can see that means you can see what's telling you you can't see blind man what's telling you you can't see oh your eyes are telling you you can't see the flesh is telling you you can't see oh okay but wait a minute in the kingdom of god we don't live in the flesh, so we don't get our identity from what your flesh is saying. We get your identity from what I say, and if I can see, you can see, because this is the kingdom of God, and as I am, so are you in this world. This is why Jesus' his bones weren't broken, because if you break a bone, it could be healed. Why? Because his bones weren't broken, and if his bones weren't broken, your bone can be healed, and so then you have people who are doing all kinds of things like, wait, wait, wait a minute. That stuff has power over you. And I'm going to show you, and this is what's crazy. Jesus is like, look, I have power over all that. I have power over every devil, over every demon, over every evil spirit, over sickness, over disease, because what's inside of me is the master. It masters it all. It masters it all. It masters sickness. It masters disease. It torments devils. It destroys demons. According to scripture, he's all consuming fire. He pretend everything in him pertains to life and godliness that's all on the inside of him and what's amazing is that he learned to submit the flesh to what he carried this is why it says that he learned through suffering he learned obedience through suffering what was it that he was learning he was learning to conquer the vessel that was carrying life to everyone he learned to conquer his mind he learned to conquer his tongue he learned to conquer his eyes he walked around in a vessel giving who he was because he is life he is healing he is the resurrection he is that and the body was submitted to him we know this because in matthew chapter 4 he went into the desert for 40 days and what did he do he fasted for 40 days why for 40 days because he was bringing his body under submission he was being tempted at all points in these 40 days which means that he was filled with power when he came out because when you were weak he's strong when who's weak? When the body's weak, he's strong because you're a spirit being. So Jesus walks out of there full of power. He didn't use any of it. He just used the word of God. And here's what's crazy. When Jesus is walking around healing people, he knows exactly what he's dealing with. He's dealing with what he came to destroy in every person. Every person has the spirit of error on the inside of him. And Jesus came to destroy that in every person. The problem is we don't tell people that Jesus is destroying it. We tell people he's casting it out of them, according to the Old Covenant, according to the Old Testament, it could come back with seven spirits worse than before. That's not what happens now. Now it dies. Colossians 3.3. You're dead, and your life is hidden with God in Christ. What's dead? The old man's dead. The spirit of error is gone. It's gone. He's no more. Okay, so then what are we battling out here? What are we battling out here? That's a crazy thought. What are you battling? What are you fighting? What are you wrestling with? And scriptures tell us, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Don't think it's strange. Peter says, don't think it's strange when you have all these trials. Don't think it's strange. It's not strange. This is just what happens. But here's what happens: we see things through a darkened eye. The Ian the, Raha, the, 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 right? The Ian Tovah is the light eye. The Ian Raha is the darkened eye. And Jesus said, if your eye is light, your whole body's light. But if your eye is dark, how great is that darkness? This is Ian Raha. In Ientova, which means that you're seeing things from the wrong lens, you're seeing things from a darkened perspective, you're seeing things from a demonic, carnal perspective, and because of that, everything you see is through the wrong lens. What if what you're dealing with isn't even what you think you're dealing with? Think about it. You know, I, I had a question asked, I think it was in the last class, we we're talking about this. God answers prayers, He answers prayers. He answers issues, real issues, not made up ones, because a lot of us worry and we start praying out of worry. And those things ain't even real. We make them real. And then we ask God to solve an issue that's not even an issue in the eyes of God. God is like, what you talking about? That's not even an issue. You worried about that? Doesn't I tell you that not worry about tomorrow, that tomorrow will take care of itself here? You're talking about a month later and you worried about it? What you worried about? Oh, well, you know, I was on my way to work and the enemy gave me a flat tire. How do we not know you just got a flat tire? Well, you don't understand, man. Those people don't like me and the devil's working inside of them. Yeah, those are people in the flesh. You're right. They're acting like devils. You're right. No, they're attacking me. Well, you know, when you're in the flesh, it attacks everybody. According to Genesis chapter three, verse 15, 16 and 17. We know that the serpent eats dust and we devour ourselves when we get into the flesh. And that's something that we shouldn't do. So once again, I ask these questions. I ask them as a christian are you fighting and i want you to ask yourself like be honest with yourself if you were like when you get off of this i want you to go talk to god and, and just say you know what i'm fighting with what i'm fighting with is it because i'm in the wrong mindset and i'm trying to handle it in the flesh because what would happen when you count it all joy what would happen when you get in christ what would happen if all this was in like what would happen like Think about it. Let's say that you were in Christ and you saw things from his lens. How many people did Jesus run from? Was was he like chewing his nails because it was like a demonic attack on him? Think about it. Was he running around like, think about it. Read your scriptures. He knew his enemy and he knew it couldn't do nothing to him. He knew it. You know why? Because once again, scripture confirms that they're created by him and for him. And that he seated on the right hand of God, making principalities and powers subject unto him. And if they're subject unto him, they're subject unto us. The problem is that we're we're telling people that they can have certain things, and we shouldn't be doing that. We should be saying, "Look, if Jesus can't have it, you can't have it." Let his mind be in you that is also in Christ. If Jesus can't have it, you can't have it. And Jesus says what you can have and what you can't have. Nobody can tell you what you can have and what you can't have. Now, if you believe it, if you believe you can have that then you can have it. So I guess the wisest thing to do is just stand confirmed, stand on the word of God, and believe that, hey, Christ is who he says he is in me. I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm strong. Now, hear me out. If you have sickness and disease in your body right now, that's a physical truth. But remember, a spiritual truth is who you are in Christ. And the Bible says that the word became flesh, which means that Jesus has to become truth for you in that area. It doesn't mean you're not sick physically. What that means is that the christ in you has to manifest in that area and the only way it's going to manifest is if you believe it to be true in that area like i say like i say you have to be the place where the impossible meets god and the only way that things can be possible is if you believe them to be possible in christ if you don't believe they're possible in christ they won't be possible they won't so we must confirm that it is possible that we be healed it is possible that we can be free. It is possible that we can be free from all the attacks of the enemy physically, but mentally we have to wrestle with who Christ is for us in that situation. And so really what you're doing is this. In the middle of any attack, I don't care if it's physical, spiritual, doesn't matter what it is. This is win-win right here. In that situation, you say this, okay? Jesus, who are you for me right now in the midst of this attack? That's the answer. And if that's who he is for you, what you worried about? If that's who he is for you, why are you scared? Because you believe, once again, that you can be touched. You believe, once again, that you can get sick. You believe, once again, that you can be killed and attacked. And all these things. Now, now, hear me out. In the spirit, you will never die. In the spirit, you will never be attacked. In the spirit, these things can't happen to you. Now, remember, Paul was in physical chains. So he wasn't saying that the threat wasn't real. What he's saying, that in the midst of that threat, Jesus is realer than all those threats put together and his hope is in Christ. And so even if they took his life, which they did, every single, every single, um, apostle was killed, all of them. And that was the hope, the hope of glory that no matter what happens to me, you cannot hurt me. You can't do anything to me because I'm already dead. And if I'm already dead, what can you do? realistically what can you do and the old man is dead the problem is a lot of us as christians we play dead we play possum and when the enemy comes the enemy ain't playing and he ain't playing like he's gonna kill you he ain't playing like he's gonna devour you that's what he's gonna do if you get in the flesh and all you can do it is written it is written people say this pete are you saying that there isn't devils or demons or demonic spirits that's not what i'm saying people say are you saying that a christian can't have a devil or a demon that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is this stop acting like one stop being one don't ask whether you can have one or not ask why you acting like one why are you motivated in that area to move like one that's the question so don't ask hey can a christian have a demon the question is can you act like one and the answer is yes and that's even worse Cause you can't cast that out of a Christian cause a Christian's living in the flesh and he can get in it anytime he wants. And that's the problem because what happens is now there's no accountability for a Christian because now we can, we can blame the demonic all day long and we can't do that in Christ. There's accountability, which means that you're going to be held accountable for everything you do. We cannot blame devils. We cannot blame demons. We can't blame anybody but ourselves. And the problem is we don't want to do that. And this is why, A lot of the moves of God in certain areas are so popular because people don't want to own their stuff. They want to say, hey, it wasn't my fault. A devil made me do it. A demon made me do it. And just do some deliverance on me. Get this thing off me. And we can get going. Okay, but have we addressed why you did that in the first place? Oh, because I was lied to. Okay, so what's going to keep you from being lied to again? If you couldn't defend yourself the first time, what do you do the second time it comes? Oh, well, then you just lay hands on me again. And then we move on. That's not how it works. Because strong meat are those, those who can discern, discern right from wrong. That's the strong meat. When you know what's right and wrong, that's the strong meat. And we got to get, we got to eat some strong meat. We got to get off the milk. We got to get mature. We got to be like, hey, you know what? I'm messed up. I'm messed up. I can't blame. And you know what? When you die, hear me out. When you die, and this is where a lot of people get upset with me, but this is the honest to God truth. When you die and go to heaven, when you stand before the throne room of God, there's not one Christian who's going to be able to blame the devil for what they did. Not one. You're going to say, hey, hey, um, God, I didn't mean to do that. The devil made me do it. And you know what the devil's going to say? That's my nature. Like, he's going to blame me for being me. Like, really? But, but God, didn't you tell him? Didn't you tell him to submit to you and to resist me and I will flee? The dude never submitted to you and he never resisted me. And now he gonna get mad at me for me being me. I'm the liar. Not him. Like I'm going to lie. That's what I do. No, but, but he made me do it. And, he, and the devil's going to lie. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do that. He lied. The devil won't even be able to defend himself in that case because he's a liar. And he knows he's a liar. The problem is we listen to him and then we want to blame him. It's like the story of the frog and the scorpion, right? The story. There was a scorpion. He's seen a frog by a river, and he tells the frog, hey, frog, can you take me to the other side of the river? And the frog says, I would, but you're going to sting me. You're going to sting me. And the scorpion says, why would I sting you? Like, I need your help. I'm not going to sting you. Just, just I won't sting you. I won't sting you. Frog, I promise, I won't sting you. Just take me to the other side of the river. And the frog's like, well, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. And, and, and the scorpion's like, come on, man. Really? I told you I'm not going to sting you. And the frog takes him across the river, and the scorpion stings him. And the frog says, oh, man. Dude, you stung me, man. And the scorpion says, dude, it's my nature. <laughs> it's my nature. Like, come on, man. Like, you know I'm going to sting you. You know I'm going to sting Hey." You know he's going to bite you. You know he's going to sting you. You know he's going to use you. You know he's going to manipulate you. You know he's going to drag you through the mud. You know he's going to make you look crazy. You know that. And guess what? We still listen to him. That's crazy to me. That's crazy. And all of us can fall subject to that. The thing is we got to be wise. we got to get around some people, man. we got to get around some people to hold us accountable. And that's the problem with Christianity nowadays. Hear me out. I think that here's the problem. The problem is there's no accountability as long as we could blame a devil or a demon for everything that you do because you're not going to grow. You can't because if it's somebody else making you do it, then you're not even functioning in self-control. You're saying I have no control. I'm not using any of the fruit of the spirit, even though one of the fruit of the spirit is long suffering. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be patient. I don't want to use self-control. Just lay hands on me. Get this thing off of me. I can't get flesh off of you. I can't get ignorance off of you. The Bible says, don't be ignorant to these things. I can't get that off of you. The only way is through the scriptures, through the word and knowing how to defend ourselves. So if you get anything out of this podcast, I don't care if it's a devil. I don't care if it's a demon. I don't care what your theology says, whether it's a spirit, whether it's a Jezebel spirit, whether it's a scorpion spirit, whether it's a dragon spirit whatever kind of spirit is, I don't care what it is. Just don't listen. Don't listen. And you know where it's going to talk to you at? And he's going to talk to you in the spirit. And he's going to talk to you in the spirit. It's going to talk to you in your flesh, in the mind, in carnality. That's what's going to talk to you. So what's the difference between the carnal mind that's not renewed and an evil spirit? They talk exactly the same. So it's best just to defend yourself in all areas. Look, I don't want to fight with you about what it is, or what it could be. My thing is, look, get out of the flesh, get out of carnality, get out of thinking earthly, get into the mind of Christ and just defend yourself. Look, defend yourself here first, right here. Just protect yourself here because when the enemy, when the enemy within can do you no harm, you're good. And sometimes I think we become enemies of ourselves. Sometimes we become enemies and we end up fighting ourselves. It's the craziest thing. So once again, I know. And you know what? Guys get mad at me when I talk about this, but the reality is that we have to teach. We have to teach believers to be mature. And one thing that I don't want in Christ is a person filled with the Holy Ghost rolling around on the ground, making a mockery of what they carry. I can't stand when I see Christians making a mockery of the spirit they carry. I cannot stand that. And any Christian who will advocate that to make another Christian look crazy like that should be ashamed of themselves. They should put them behind closed doors. They should do something because we need to honor the presence of God. We need to honor the people of God. We need to honor the children because what we're doing is we're saying that it's acceptable that it's okay to act this way. Look, man, I don't care what you have. If you have the Holy Spirit, you shouldn't give it a right to do anything. Anywhere. If you're feeling fear and you have the Holy Spirit, you can tell that fear to stop. If you have the Holy Spirit and you feel like doing something crazy, you can tell it to stop. If you have the Holy Spirit and you have the power of Christ in you and you feel like something's in the room, you can tell it to go. You have that power. But the problem is, is that we're for some reason trading that power to the wrong side. It's like we're handing it over. And I'm telling people, look, if the Christ is in you, he wouldn't put up with that. If the Christ is in you, he wouldn't put up with it. And if he's not going to put up with it, why are you putting up with it? And it could take you years to learn. But I'm going to tell you, this is the only answer that I see. I'm, I'm trying to find an answer to this thing. And I'm saying, hey, realistically, if Christ is in us, we have all we need. And the Bible says that we're complete in him, lacking nothing, which means we have everything. And so that's really what this is about. And I kind of want to wrap this uh, this elephant in the room up because I want to move on to something else. But I could I could go on for days on this, but really I don't. I just want to get this going, lay this out there for you, get you to think. Look at the scriptures. Think about why in scripture you don't see people seeing things in the spirit. You don't see like demonic spirits. You don't see this stuff. You don't see it anywhere. Why is it? And why in the church are we dealing? Like like if you read the epistles, every single one. Look, you got. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, and you got 2 Timothy when he talks about uh, Hananias and Sapphira, that he handed them over to the devil so they would learn not to blaspheme, right? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, when he says he handed them over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, said his spirit should be saved. Like, he's delivering them, the scripture says. Paul's delivering these people to Satan for the destruction of their flesh so they can learn a lesson. Why would he do such a thing? Because according to those verses, when he's handing them over to the devil, he's handing them over to the flesh. He's handing them over to the omen, to what they think they are. He's letting them, okay, go ahead. Go hit rock bottom, live in the flesh, because it says to destroy their flesh so that their spirit should be saved. We teach that we need to deliver people so we can save their flesh. Look, if they're living in it, there's no saving it. If they're living in it there's no saving it i'm sorry if a christian lives in the flesh there's no saving it there's not for according to first corinthians 5 verse 5 they hand you over to to the devil for the destruction of your flesh because you're living in it the only way that you'll be delivered from that is if you get in the spirit that's the only way according to scripture and how did they learn not to blaspheme come on if you read it in context you would think that according to that verse that there's a devil out there teaching them not to blaspheme wouldn't you, wouldn't, if you were a devil and a demon, wouldn't you want them to blaspheme? Wouldn't you want them to say things? But here it says that he hands them over so they wouldn't, as if he's teaching them not to. <laughs> That's crazy. Why is this so vital? Because this is what's going on in the church. Read 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. He tells them, First Corinthians, this is a carnal church, and they're not battling the spirit in the church, if you read the scriptures. They're battling carnality. That once, are they saying, hey, there's a spirit in here. There's a devil in here. Oh, man, we need to, oh, no, we need to have a prayer meeting tonight and get this spirit out of here. No, that's not what's happening. Let me show it to you. Look, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Watch this. This is a carnal church, and this church was walking in power. This church was seeing miracles. Watch this. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for you're not able to bear it. Neither are you able to bear it now. For are you yet carnal? Okay, so what's the issue in the church? Devils, demons, evil spirits, curses, carnality. Once again, that's the issue right here. Let me show it to you. For you are yet carnal, for there is among you envy and strife and division is it because there's a spirit of division is it because there's a demonic spirit in there is it because they're being attacked is it because someone is under demonic influence and now it's creeping into the church look man if you're carnal it's already in the church that's what it's about watch this for you are yet carnal for there among you is envy and strife and division are you not carnal and walk as men wow why does it say as men because you're not supposed to walk this out as men you're supposed to walk this out as children of god That's why. Are you not carnal and walk this out as men? For while one says, I am of Paul, another I am of Apollos. Are you not yet carnal? Why is this letter written to them? Because once again, once you get into the flesh, you are a devil, period. And there's no casting that out of you. It's throwing you out of the church. If you don't understand who you are in Christ, because you're going to cause division and you're going to backbite. And you're going to spread rumors and you're going to gossip and you're going to do all kinds of stuff. And according to first Corinthians chapter five, verse five, there was a guy in there who was doing some stuff he shouldn't have did. And because he was carnal and he wasn't listening. And he even says right here, for you have not so learned Christ. And you know what? In Ephesians chapter six, verse nine. Now, excuse me. First Corinthians chapter six. Watch this. I wasn't going to go there, but I'm just going to do it. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous should not inherit the kingdom of God? You know why the unrighteous want to inherit the kingdom of God? Because the Bible says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous remember we've now been made the righteousness of God in Christ. So now when we're in Christ we are righteous and this is an inheritance. Which means that when you're in Christ you have an inheritance. So this says "Know ye not that the unrighteous should not inherit the kingdom of God? Of course not. They haven't got the inheritance if they're not born again. So the unrighteous are those who are not in Christ. Be not deceived. That's the key. Be not deceived. It doesn't say be not demon possessed. Be not oppressed. It says be not deceived. That's what the enemy does. He deceives you. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, adulterers, effeminates, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covenants, drunkards, nor violers, shall inherit the kingdom of God. You know why it says that? Because according to Galatians 5.19, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? And they just named them. And such were some of you. You were in the flesh. You were carnal. You were that. That's the problem. You're deceived. You're believing is what you are now. And such were some of you. But you are washed and you are sanctified. And you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the spirit of God. Okay, wait. So this is what they are, even though they're carnal. This is what they are, even though they're deceived. This is what they are, because that's the answer. The answer is always who you are in Christ in the midst of your situation. Be not deceived. You were that and such were some of you, but you are washed. You are sanctified. You are that, but you're not acting like that. Just because you are that doesn't mean you'll act like that you got to learn to walk out Christ. You have to learn who Christ is for you. That doesn't happen automatically. That's why it's called discipleship. And the word disciple comes from the word discipline, which means there has to be some discipline in your life. You have to discipline that mouth. You have to discipline that action. You have to discipline those thoughts. You have to discipline what you do. This is discipline. That's why it's called discipleship, because you're learning to be disciplined In Christ, that makes any sense. So, once again, be disciplined to Him and only Him and only Him shall you serve. And remember, the devil's always going to lie, always. And guys, if you don't mind hitting the like button and the share button on this, I forgot to say that to everybody. We're going to put it out. But hear me out. In every letter written from the Apostle Paul, every single one is addressing who Christ is in them because that's the answer to everything. And never once, besides these two places that I showed you, never once was there anybody being delivered of an evil spirit. They were always delivered to Satan because they weren't listening. They were delivered to Satan, not from Satan in the church. So when the Bible talks about cast out devils, cast out demons, and now we don't allow that into the church. We don't allow that in our circles. We don't allow that talk. We don't allow that reality to surface. We cast that stuff out. We get that stuff out. We get the devil out. We get the demonic out. We get all that slaying all that cussing all that backbiting all that gossip out because it's not of god it's of the devil we get that stuff out of here we get it out of our minds we get all the leaven out all of it and that's what it's about remember we're in the presence of god guys we're in his presence all the time all the time and the thing that's robbing you of that is this right here it needs to be renewed you're in the presence of god and you're in a consuming fire and he doesn't go out and he doesn't burn out and he burns hot all the time. And the thing is you're being refined right now. But what happens is you're getting refined and you get, do it in the you do everything you need to be doing in Christ in the flesh and it hurts. And it sucks. And it feels like you're toiling and you're struggling you're doing it because you're doing it in the flesh. And all the stuff's being all the stuff that's attacking you is talking and it's attacking carnality in you and it's trying to get you into the arena of the flesh. And Christ is like don't worry about that just stand. Put on the armor on and just stand. Don't even fight. Just stand there. Don't say anything. And Jesus taught us how to do that before he, when he was before Pilate. He didn't say anything. He just stood there. He didn't even defend himself. He was trying to show us, this is what you do when you're under demonic attack. Be quiet. You don't need to defend yourself. That's what it's all about. Be quiet. Don't let the flesh defend itself. Don't let it speak for you. I speak for you. And that's what that's all about. And that's hard, even for me. I me mean, just sitting here talking about that, it's hard because if you're married, <laughs> yeah, that's not easy. That's hard. It's hard to be quiet. It's hard not to have an opinion. It's hard not to, you know, get all aggravated and stuff happens and I just have a little while ago we're trying to get this and I'm like, "You know, I'm not mad at you, I'm just a little upset at the situation." How can you not? So once again, let's say and I'm going to leave you with this and I'm going to close out the elephant in the room with this. Let's say everything I said Part one, part two, part three. Let's say all of it is not true. Let's just say it's not true. It's all a lie. Let's say that I'm totally deceived in this area. Let's just say that I'm just deceived, fully, 110%. Let's just say I'm just totally far out there and it's not true. Okay. With that mindset, if you if you even if you even take 80% of what I said is truth does Jesus get glorified? And the answer is yes. Do I take away any of God's glory or what Christ has done on the cross by this message? No, if anything, it enhances it. Does Holy Spirit get the glory in what I'm teaching? Does it rob the demonic of all its power and all of its authority? If you believe what I'm saying, if you even hold on to half of it is truth, does it rob the demonic and the flesh, and carnality, and all that the devil has, does it rob it of power? And you'll say yes. Does this, what I'm saying, does it interfere with your salvation in any way? Will it cause you to stumble in any way? If what I'm saying, is it, is it dividing you, or is it making you more solid in Christ? Is it giving you weapons and tools to fight back? Is it helping you get past things that have you stuck? Ask yourself those questions. I'm just saying if I'm lying to you, if it's doing all that as a lie, what would it do if it's the truth? And that's the filter that I put all the teachings through. It's called win-win, which means that even if I'm wrong, you win. Even if I'm wrong, Jesus gets the glory. Even if I'm wrong, the enemy has no power. Even if I'm wrong, Holy Spirit can still use you. Even if I'm wrong, no foul done. Because your eyes are always on Jesus. It's not on the flesh. It's not on the demonic. It's not on carnality. And you're walking out everything that Christ said. And you go from glory to glory to glory. And now that the obstacles have been moved mentally, physically, and emotionally, all you can do is grow. And I always ask myself, if I sat down with Jesus, what would he be telling me? What would he be telling me in this area? And he would say, I'm in there. And that's what Paul said to to God. He, He said, hey, man. I prayed that you would remove this thorn in my flesh. I prayed three times, and God said, my my grace is sufficient. And grace, according to Titus 2.11, I believe, it says that grace appeared unto all men, that that salvation, that brought salvation, which means that grace is a person. So when Paul was asking for him to remove that thorn from his side, God was saying, my Jesus is sufficient. My Jesus is all you need. If you have that, you have everything you need. What you talking about? You want me to remove some stuff? You got Jesus. You got Jesus. And if you got Jesus, you're good because Jesus is all you need. And that's what it's all about. And Jesus is all you need. And so, guys, I don't want this to turn into can a Christian be demon-possessed or can a Christian have an evil spirit. The question is can a Christian act like one? And can a Christian submit to the enemy and the lies? And the answer is yes. So the answer is how do you defend against it? And that's what this whole series is about. How do you defend against a foe you cannot see? How do you defend against carnality? How do you defend against the devil? How do you defend against evil spirits and demons and devils? And this is the only way that I've seen that you can defend as a person in Christ, as you in Christ. And we all need to come to this understanding. We need to come to this understanding, all of us, that when we're in Christ, we're good. I'm not speaking for everybody else. I'm not speaking for other people who are dealing with demonic and things like this It's because they don't know who they are in Christ, and they're still toiling with that. And they're going to need help. And if they want you to lay hands on them and cast devils and demons out of them, you do it. You lay hands on them, and you command in the name of Jesus for that to go. And you tell them, go. You tell them, be healed. You tell them, whatever it is, that you feel you need to tell them in Christ. Anything that you you tell them in Christ, you tell them you confirm it in Christ that, hey, you got to come out. Hey, you got to be healed. Hey, you keep confirming that. And then when you're done, here's what you say. Now I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to confirm in the name of Jesus that no spirit, devil, or demon will ever enter that sanctuary, that will never enter into that temple ever. And I confirm that in the name of Jesus it'll lie to you. It'll say it can get in there. It'll tell you what's in there. It'll tell you that, but you resist the devil. You submit yourself to God. You resist the devil and he'll flee. And that's the answer. Nothing can penetrate that armor. That's Christ. There's no chink in that armor. His name is Jesus. Now remember, he can lie to you. He can deceive you. And if you fall for that, you're done. So the question is, how can we defend against that and that's always in his truth and you stand and you stand and you stand nope get stubborn nope nope because that's what happened with job the enemy wants you to curse god and die that's what he wants he wants you to call god a liar but we don't call god a liar because the bible says every man's a liar let god be true which means that you'll even lie if you get in the flesh so it's best to get into the spirit and don't listen and no it's a lie you're lying devil says, I'm in you. You're a liar. You're going to die. You're a liar. You're going to get sickness. You're a liar. And you know what? He'll use people who are in the flesh. You're, going to th- no, you're a liar too. Every man's a liar. Let God be true. So what's the word say about that? What's the word say about that?